All right. Um, welcome to Social Biology. I'm your co-host, Jeremy. And I am Morgan. And we are here today, post-election 2020. <laughs> this fabulous gray skies, chilly weather. Oh, I love <laughs> winters is here and I am, I'm all for it. I got my window open right now. It's like 30 degrees outside. It's beautiful. Oh my gosh. I don't know, man. I think I've changed a bit, you know, post keto, getting rid of all that fat. I am freezing my ass off. I I experienced the same thing um, because when I was doing it, I did it during the summer and uh-huh. I was still really warm. I wasn't as warm, but like, oh, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm getting better at it. And then that winter, which was about a, last year, almost exactly I noticed because I love the cold weather. I just love it so much. And I still do. I'm still a big fan of colder weather. But I noticed that I was a a less, I wouldn't say a lot less, but I was noticeably less immune or less uh, resistant to cold (laughs) than I used to be. Less insulated. Yes. Yes. I, I have noticed a lot. I've noticed a big difference. I am freezing all the time. And it's funny (laughs) because I used to always be hot and sweaty and I hated it. Like it'd take me two seconds to sweat just going on a walk. I hated it. Yeah, and now terrible. I'm just freezing all the time and still sweaty. <laughs> so it makes me even colder. Yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's pretty it. horrible. Yeah. I, I still feel like I'm pretty sensitive to heat. I still am uncomfortable. But um, I, and I still, prefer, like I said, I still prefer the cold. But yeah, I noticed it. I'm like, wow, actually, I might need a coat this year. Whereas almost in, at least in the winters we have here, that aren't super cold. We still have snow and everything, but. I could go a whole year without actually wearing a coat uh-huh. um, because I'm indoors most of the time or in my car or something. But now I'm, I'm thinking, actually, I might need something, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, th- I think the last time I was cold was maybe like six years ago in New York, mm, below yes. zero weather, freezing winds. And before that, I don't think I'd ever experienced what it was like to be cold. And and now I am I am just as cold as that. I'm freezing all the time now. It's horrible. It's horrible. Don't do keto. Don't get skinny. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, are you skinny? Are you saying you're officially now skinny, hey, Morgan? I have lost 42 pounds. So oh, that's I good. would say, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm about five pounds off my goal weight. So I'm excited. I'm happy. That's pretty so, good. Yeah, that's about the yeah. amount I, I changed um, and I felt great. So it's it's nice. Yeah, I feel good. I just feel cold. So (laughs) (laughs) I cannot iterate enough how cold I am. Now, uh, I think so. I think there's the duality of what's happening. I feel like a small a part of it is that you have people with less uh, visceral fat, which is like the fat around your organs and your midsection and and things like that. uh There, I think there is a small change in how cold uh, how you feel it. But I think the most um, significant one is the fact that your metabolism is different and you are producing less heat. Hmm. So I, that's what I feel. I feel like from because in the when I was doing keto, when I would eat it was like on Christmas or on Thanksgiving, I would throw it out the window. Like, you know what? I don't care. I'm eating mashed potatoes. I'm eating pie. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'm, I was just I'm like, nervous. It's, it's, Thanksgiving's it's around the corner. It's, I don't know, man. Oh, you got it. It's you got to <laughs> indulge, man. You got to have. Some okay, pie. I'll do it. I'll give up for a day. Uh, some people are more. I was pretty resistant to uh, changes. Like I would 
eat something like that. And the next day I'd go back and I'd still feel like I was pretty good. But some people, they can snap out of it real quick. But the, the, the night that I was eating normal uh, carbohydrates, I felt like I was on fire. Like my body felt hot. Um, oh, really? Be- yeah, because I think my body's like, oh, time to look at all this sugar that we never had. Let's burn it all. <laughs> burn the like- crap out of it. Burn this thing down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it's That's like funny. No, I, God, when I, I had my first, I, I don't want to say cheat day because on keto, you don't really have a cheat no. day, but um, my first like cheat day, I went, I went up, we went to a lake and I, there's this place up there that just has these famous raspberry shakes. I was mm. like, I want a piece of pizza and a raspberry shake. If I'm going to go out, I'm going all out. Yeah, for sure. I felt like garbage for like four <laughs> days, oh, but no. I, I never <laughs> felt hot. But like okay. after that, I couldn't eat. I don't know. Keto's really restricted how much I eat. And I understand the science behind that. It terrified my wife when I just all of a sudden stopped eating. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but no, it yeah, it's weird. It's different. But I never never felt hot. So maybe I'll maybe, have to eat something and see if that. I mean, everyone's different. Maybe it was just me. me. Um, yeah. Like I said, when I did something like that, I didn't feel really bad. Um, and maybe that's because um, at work we tend to eat out uh, because like I used to bring food to work, but then I kind of stopped because we all eat out. It's kind of a team building morale kind of thing. That's and fun. It, and it's pretty hard to find things that are very low carb. Like I wouldn't get French fries or anything, but I'd get a burger that's lettuce wrapped. But even then, there's still some stuff in there uh-huh. or, you know, things like that. So maybe I was just more attuned to having more stuff more carbs in my diet just a little bit on occasion but i don't know yeah anyway so maybe that yeah. maybe that'll fix you maybe if you uh <laughs> ate some, maybe some sugar you'd feel a little, maybe. A little warmer either that or i'll just <laughs> shut down and die from just, uh, sugar attack yeah you should not i mean I, in retrospect it was kind of unhealthy for me to be like one day i'm just gonna heat have hundreds of grams of sugar from everything you sh- <laughs> yeah you should kind of slowly ramp up but uh uh-huh. I, yeah. I was okay. I survived. That's good. Good to know for the future. I, yeah. I'll prepare for Thanksgiving. Yeah, prepare for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, I find it, it's always, uh, because my family, within like a few months, they became very comfortable. They were like, oh, it's fine. We know you don't eat this kind of stuff. And they're Thanksgiving, like, no, you have to worry about it. Like, I'll, I'll eat everything. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, for sure. And it was good. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't want them to feel like... Oh, we got to cater to. They your make needs. you a separate <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm not so okay. That's I'm not when gonna... you know your family loves you. <laughs> it's when they don't want you to die. You know, yes, but subconsciously, <laughs> subconsciously, or in in their minds, they're just like this little prick won't eat my mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah. what a monster! Nah, they don't think uh, that. Great intro. Yeah, <laughs> good intro. Yeah, another another just jab at keto, which we tend yeah. to do a little bit. Um, so Ed, did you want to get into the, the, the topic I kind of want to talk about? Is that- a- absolutely. I'm always looking forward to it. After we <laughs> talked about how pregnancy makes women go crazy and then you deleted that episode. I want to, I love talking about this. I, stuff. Well, I didn't delete it. I, oh yeah, no, that was the one that the demons took um, from us. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I feel like that was a, a, a good call for the demons to get rid of that yeah. particular episode. You didn't sound yeah that uh, way. We're like the best husband. Yeah. Now she loves me. Yeah, I'm I a know. character. We're all good. <laughs> um, so but no, I, yeah, I'm super excited for today. Okay, yeah. So what I want to talk about. Um, have you ever heard? I'm pretty sure you have the term homeopathy. I have heard of it. That like sounds very familiar. 
So, yes, I've heard homeopathic. I was like, homeopathic. I can't even say the first one you said. <laughs> but I I knew that I was like, it's got to be related to the term homeopathic. Yes, so, homeopathic, homeopathy. Yeah. Um, homeopathy. So what do you, like, I guess since you said you don't know, but like if you're in your mind when you hear that term, like what kind of, what do you think of? What do you think it means when someone says you like, oh, I'm a. You should not ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, asking what you um, think, not what it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, well, homeo, <laughs> dude, dude, you got me on this one. Just, just get into the damn topic. No, would okay, you? okay, okay. I was just, just wondering. Uh, so, I would say that in general, when people think, oh, like here's a, a homeopathic, uh, let's say a remedy. Normally, they refer to medicine. Like, oh, here's a homeopathic okay. medicine or cure or whatever. I think the general consensus is that homeopathic means like non-pharmaceutical. Um, I was going to say almost treatment. natural. Natural. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I, I will get into how that's also a, a misnomer. But okay. Like, yeah, like some people say like, oh, like chicken soup <gasps> is good for colds. Um, which homeopathic is a misnomer. Did you no, just no, spoil natural, it? I said, I said oh, natural. Oh, okay. Uh, because uh-huh. I'll, I'll, yeah, anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and I can understand that. I can understand like, oh, like here's my homeopathic uh, cure for, you know, the cold. Here's chicken soup and blah, blah. But uh-huh. homeopathy actually has a very specific um, and historical definition. So homeopathy started, I would say, officially around 200 years ago, sometime in 1800s. And like similar things have been in the past, but there are two basic branches of homeopathy. One is that it's the concept of like cures like. Uh, so, for example, if something looks similar to um, one of your organs or something feels similar to whatever, it should help it. For example, uh-huh. they thought kidney beans would be good for kidney problems. Would cure your kidneys. I, I was going to say that's the first thing I think of. Because I think in last episode, you we looked at an image of a kidney, or one of the episodes, yeah. I was like, that's why they call it a kidney, because it looks like a kidney bean. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I was pretty okay, sure yeah. that the, uh-huh. the kidney came first, but anyway. Uh, nah, I don't uh, think so. Or but yeah, like, keep going. There would be flowers that look like your eye or whatever, like, oh, like this could probably be good for your eye. You know, very, very primitive, simple way of thinking of, of the world. Association. Um, yes, by, just association. Yeah, appearance. Uh-huh. Um, a slight alternative would be like the opposite of that. It would be like, oh, since this is bad for your stomach, uh, maybe we should give you some of that so that your stomach ache will go away. You know, there's kind of an inverse. Uh, really? To that. Mm-hmm. Like here, this is cyanide. Like here's It'll a like you've been poisoned by yeah. yeah you've been poisoned by this which actually in in the future we learned that anti venoms do exist venoms that counteract other venoms. Uh-huh. Uh, but that is not what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> You've been bit by this snake. Here, get bit by this. Exactly. Snake. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> that's not how that should work. Um, uh-huh. But basically, it was like, oh, you, if you have leg pain, uh, maybe we should give you something that causes muscle aches. You know, like a mild poison. And anyway. oh, that's weird. It is weird. But again, old medicine. It's it's a terrible, terrible phase in our, in our <laughs> yeah. history. That, <laughs> But okay, and so the second half of that, so the first half is like, uh, here's like the second half of that, which is the more modern and even to this day, a very, I would say very, but a somewhat popular um, notion is, and I'm trying to explain it. It's basically that the more, let's say you have a curative um, herb or curative substance. Mm -hmm. And the thinking is that the more dilute you make the cure, the more effective it's going to be. 
really yes like that that was the thinking that is that was thinking and that is still the thinking of homeopathy today uh, okay that, and sometimes you'll and you can find homeopathic like pills or cures or whatever in in any store today and they usually have a dilution factor and they'll love to say like oh this thing has been diluted like a billion times um or a 10,000 times and that is supposed to mean that it is stronger because of how much has been diluted so th- this is where you reveal to me that a double primitive makes a super advanced technological <laughs> leap, right? Like when, when, when you're taking, oh, this thing looks like this and this thing's super good at working at this. Let's make it super weak. And this thing just works because it looks like this. Yeah, the super what? dilute kidney uh, you know, <laughs> plant. Okay. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and here's what I'm saying that it's, it's, it's like you, you think it's just bullshit, right? Like, yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm, that's what I'm saying. It is bullshit. Exactly. But, okay. Now you're going to tell me it's not. Uh, no, it's, it's bullshit. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Okay. That didn't take the turn I was expecting. No, no, that's literally what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it is now. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't want to, because there, again, there's people who are staunch defenders of homeopathy and they'll, 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 they'll swear up and down that it works. They're probably anti-vaxxers. Um, uh, yeah, that tends to be the case. Uh, again, the <laughs> oh an- really? The anti-science group is a is a I'm just trying to say like an inclusive group of people who don't agree with anything that science has to say. Uh huh. Um, so basically, when you're taking a homeopathic pill, you're essentially taking you're literally sometimes taking nothing. Like sometimes these things have been diluted so much that not a single atom of the original a cure is in the mixture. Are you serious? That that yeah. seems just like a ripoff. Uh, 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 yeah, I, uh, or yeah, like I, I, a I placebo in some sense. Like it's all mental at that point. Exactly. Now the the kind of the theory behind this again, this theory is like two hundred years old, and uh-huh. uh, I kid you not, is still somewhat here today. Like the modern homeopathic society. That, that's what's kind of scaring me. But yeah, keep going. Um, the theory is that when a substance comes in contact with like water, it permanently alters the properties of the water, even when that substance goes away. Uh, so even let's say, when it's completely dissolved and diluted and gone. Yeah, like let's say like you dissolve an antibiotic into a glass of water, and then you added ten thousand gallons to that water, then even though the water, the antibiotic isn't actually in there anymore, not in a realistic sense. Since the water has, quote unquote, touched the antibiotic, it has absorbed some of the antibiotic properties of the original yeah, it's medicine. Not like it destroyed it, didn't erase its existence. But. No, and, and they would say that makes it stronger uh, for some reason. Because like, the more weird. water that has been touched by that, then therefore the more powerful the medicine will be. Uh-huh. Um, and this just, of course, flies in the face of, of chemistry, right? Like, the basic chemistry will tell you, like, no, when water comes into contact with anything, It'll dissolve it or whatever. Once you remove that thing, the water isn't permanently enhanced by that substance. Um, Did, you said it isn't. It isn't. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. It okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, okay, wait, I think I heard that right. Yeah. Keep going. Um, and I, I think the funniest uh, argument about that is like, well, like all the water that we've ever used in our lives and on the planet has been recycled a million times, right? Like water oh, yeah. goes into the ocean, it goes into rivers and oceans and then evaporates and it rains down and it comes it's back to It's going into me right now. It's going into you. Uh-huh. And like there's a yeah. very uh, common uh, saying like, oh, like the water you drink now could have been, you know, peed out by a dinosaur millions of years ago. That's pretty uh, awesome. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> and so people are saying like, well, if water has this memory, then why aren't we like getting all these weird 
ocean diseases and you know all the things that this water has touched why doesn't it retain those properties why is it magically obtaining you know healing properties and not retaining like the poop that was once in it you know like <laughs> oh my gosh dude i'm never gonna be able to drink water again now <laughs> yeah just say poop it's, it's super dinosaur pee's okay but you Di- said yeah. poop you said so poop. no no yeah <laughs> um so yeah i feel like it and it's a very weird way of thinking but it's true a lot of people if you like look it up there's a society for homeopathic and again, the reason why I bring it up is because I feel like people don't quite understand when you say homeopathic, because again, it, it refers to, or they think it refers to like a home remedy or like a nat, like you said, natural remedy. Uh-huh. Uh, even though I would say- Something that the, unprocessed almost. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would say the vast majority of uh, our cures and remedies, like they are natural. Are na- technically natural. I wouldn't say even technically. Well, yeah, I would yeah, say no. uh, like so. For example, there's uh, aspirin, and aspirin comes from the bark of a tree in Africa. And the reason why we know it has pain-killing properties is because the local people they would chew the bark off of this tree because it helped them with pain. And so we just literally took that compound, concentrated into a pill, and that's how we make aspirin. Like, it's did a, not know that it's a natural, naturally occurring compound. Um, I'd I'd like to think the entire society thought Bob over there <laughs> chewing bark was an idiot, but it was actually the genius behind it all. Yeah. So but. like this this notion that the pharmacological study doesn't focus on natural sources is like utterly ridiculous because that is the number one source we have for almost everything. Like very few cures and treatments are synthesized from nothing. Uh, like for sometimes uh-huh. we'll make uh, like synthetic versions of um, let's say like an aspirin, the you know the compound that is aspirin, but mm-hmm. the source comes from a tree, right? We didn't just invent this molecule. Yeah, like we no. saw it. Uh, like antibiotics, uh, they come from mold. Uh, mold makes pen- like penicillin. And it's bread mold, actually. You get that's how we discovered penicillin. Was we discovered that bread mold chased away or killed bacteria, and so we just cultivated the mold, extracted the penicillin, and that's what we use today. Um, Interesting. Did not know that. Uh, and most antibiotics come like that. We just different versions of it. So uh, I would huh. not advocate eating bread mold. It will make you really sick. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say there had to be a lot of experimentation going into this. Well, it, the discovery was an accident, uh, actually, because there were, it was a lab. I think it was like some, pretty much back in the 30s and 20s. I'm not too sure exactly what they, early, you know, 20th century, uh, back when labs could be kind of small. And so basically, I assume it's this guy's personal lab. And he had accidentally, he was working with bacteria, but he was also working with fungus. And he had accidentally cross-contaminated some of his bacteria plates with mold and he's about to throw them away when he realized that the mold was actually creating like a dead zone of bacteria around it. Um, and so he was like, huh, let me, let me study this. And that's how he figured mm, out. Uh, what penicillin. a wonderful accident. <laughs> I wish I could have an accident like that. My accidents involved me falling down the stairs, <laughs> not making me a bajillion dollars, but uh, well, I mean, I would say there, there was an era of science where if you were just like had the most basic of equipment and observation skills, you could make groundbreaking discoveries uh, uh-huh. be- because we had done so little science uh, prior to that point. Where yeah, those was, days are over. Like it just took Galileo. Yeah. <laughs> like you, bought, you buy a telescope, look into the sky like, oh, look, I discovered three new planets. Like <laughs> That's mine. That one's mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm a genius. Yeah, right? like, uh-huh. like, yeah exactly. 
Uh, Galileo actually uh, pointed his telescope toward the sun, and he blinded himself with one eye because, yeah, that's <laughs> smart man. Uh, he discovered sunspots right before he blinded himself. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we discovered that. A fun, fun fact. That's pretty um, funny. But yeah, um, so homeopathic—that's kind of the gist of it, um, and it's—it's it's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know why you assumed that it was going to be like. And guess what? It's miraculous. It works for everything. Like, no, it doesn't. No, work I work. didn't. Just your your kind of your tone was leaning towards that. He's like, oh great, I'm going to feel like an idiot again. <laughs> And then, and I think that's didn't. just in your head. I just feel but, like in your head you're know. thinking I'm trying to trick you, but I'm yeah, <laughs> I know. I've got the idiot placebo in my head, but um, how it goes. No, but yeah, but no, that's interesting. That's super interesting. Um, which okay, the the there is one guilty pleasure I have with homeopathic cures, quote unquote. So okay, um, and again, I think this is because sometimes people don't understand what homeopathic means. Mm-hmm. There's um. For the common cold, and to a lesser extent the flu, but mostly the common cold, we don't really have any treatments for it. Uh, we can uh-huh. treat symptoms, right? We have like cough suppressants. We have things that stop your nose from being runny. We have fever reducers. But, but you kind of just got to let it run its course. Uh, yeah, but but essentially uh-huh. we don't have anything that combats any kind of rhinovirus or uh-huh. cold virus. It's just really... It just has to go away on its own. Your body has to do its thing. And there have been a lot of studies on like, hey, does vitamin C help or hey, does whatever help? And there only have been two like accepted studies or groups of studies because, again, a singular study doesn't prove anything. You need Uh a large volume of things that have shown that one, like hot drinks and soups, they do help you. Uh, That's probably because they're hot, not because chicken soup has any medicinal properties, like just warm beverages in general. Uh-huh. And two, that zinc is actually a decent uh, suppressor of viral properties. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And it has to be, basically, it, it's a physical reaction. So when the ion, the metal ion zinc comes in contact with some viruses, it might affect them in a way that it makes them less likely to infect cells. Huh. Uh, so it's not like you have zinc in your blood. So you can't like take a zinc pill and just be full of yeah. zinc. You have to like physically um, touch the zinc to it. And that's why there's like some cold ease and Zycam. They have like zinc melting lozenges or nasal sprays that attempt to do that. And zinc actually has a noticeable effect on reducing the length of colds and things like that. Interesting. And so I I, I do this. I, I buy like little zinc lozenges and stuff. And I have noticed, and this is anecdotal, of course, doesn't mean anything, but I have noticed a significant decrease in whenever I have a cold, um, how bad it gets. So mm, see, they're not all crazy. No, no. And so the, the zinc lozenges I normally get on uh-huh. the in the back, it says it's a homeopathic medicine. Uh-huh. And I remember seeing that and I'm like that doesn't make any sense because in the ingredients it shows it has like like 10 milligrams of zinc per per uh like lozenge or like cough drop uh-huh. basically which is a it's not a whole lot but it's it's, it's a, a significant amount, amount. it's yes. not like it's been diluted to hell exactly yeah. because i was afraid i'm like oh man am i just a victim of the plus uh yeah. placebo effect like am <laughs> i just feeling you. better <laughs> we got you i'm just uh-huh. a moron yeah uh, but basically this is exploiting a legal loophole that in the United States, if something isn't FDA, uh, like 
past, uh, you cannot say that it cures anything. You can say uh-huh. like helps boost something, like you know, airborne or whatever, or you can say like it, it may reduce symptoms, but you can't say like, hey, this is clinically proven because it hasn't been uh-huh. clinically proven. Exactly. In the United States, homeopathic uh, remedies can say anything they want. Really? Uh, yeah, because of legal loopholes, they can say like, oh yeah, like this thing, uh, you know helps with cancer or helps with your lung problems, you know? Like, that's why sometimes you'll see a lot of supplement pills. They'll say, like, oh, improves, uh, like, neural function. Uh, just something kind of vague That's like a that. little scary that they can just say whatever they want. Yeah, and it's because, like, homeopathic, like I said, in the past, it was built as in, like, oh, this is tradition. Like, my family has done this for years or my, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like, yeah, I have no idea why. But that's a legal hope. So the reason why these like zinc remedies have homeopathic is not because they're diluted to hell. It's because they can therefore say very um, strong statements. Strong things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They can say like clinically. And it's funny because even though like clinically proven, it's not technically clinically proven, but even though there have been many studies that have shown there is a positive reaction to zinc, they can Uh say, Oh, we've been clinically proven that to help reduce colds. Um, So that's the only reason why they go for homeopathic, not because they're, scam artist (laughs) that's interesting that's that's really crazy um which is funny because that that claiming they're homeopathic almost turned me away from them uh, simply because i have a small amount of knowledge in the scientific field rather than boost my my trust in them you know it kind Uh of almost backfired exactly Exactly. i don't trust you (laughs) and and now you're going to be dipping into them all over the place you're going to think maybe these are real yeah, I, I, so I would definitely recommend. I do not recommend the nasal spray um, because in 2009, there were some reports of people permanently losing their sense of taste when they used the nasal spray. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. There was a this, cla- this is the danger that I was talking about. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> that, that is 100%. Yes. Um, it's because when you, use a, when you use a nasal spray, you're like directly infusing stuff to your mucous membranes and uh-huh. they're sensitive to things like metals like zinc you can really damage them holy uh, crap so since then i think they stopped selling them because the fda kind of forced them to recall the product and settle a lawsuit for again like these 50 people unfortunately oh my gosh uh, but yeah just stick with the um stick with like the throat cough drop things so <laughs> i can't imagine that's horrible that is, I, that is something I'm very afraid of, is permanently losing any kind of ability or function of my body. Any sense or... Yeah. Wow, that's or crazy. Or limb. Like, if I lose a finger, I'm like, that finger's gone forever. Like, I'm never going to get that finger back. <laughs> oh like, that's gosh. so... Sucky. Yeah. And then, oh, my gosh. You're freaking me out now. You've never thought about that? <laughs> I guess not directly. Like, I've kind of felt like, oh, man, that dog is missing its leg. But I've never thought... I wouldn't have a leg forever. Like, I guess I've never made that connection. Uh, yeah, I. it started off with teeth because I remember when I was little, my, you know, your baby teeth fall out. Oh, that's that's a big fear of mine. And then my parents were like, well, be very careful. We got to brush your adult teeth because with your adult teeth fall out, they'll never come back ever again. And I'm like, uh-huh. damn, like that's horrible. It's kind of scary. And then you hear people uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, like I fell off my bike and I broke my two front teeth. And now I permanently have to have, you know, these prosthetic teeth. I'm like, that's awful. Like <laughs> they don't yeah, come back. That, it's crazy. I, that's, that's one of my big fears is losing teeth or not 
taking care of them right. But yeah, um, um, so it, it is freaky to think about losing something. That means it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Um, and so, yeah, that extended to limbs and everything, um, fingers and arm or leg or yeah. So I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I do not like the, any kind of image of losing something, a part of me, and even like an eye or like an ear. Like if you lose your sense of hearing by going deaf, that seems horrible. Like imagine not ever be able to listen to music ever again. Like that's just, that's hellish. Like I don't want to think about that. Imagine going bald. Oh my gosh. That's not as just, just bad. Just kill me, man. It's not bad. No. no. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's still bad. Yeah, I, I know. I probably offended some people. You're still people, just lesser. <laughs> So you're slightly less people because there is less of you, less of you meaning less hair. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're a little bit shorter than the rest of us. Yeah. Um, future, you can cut that out. Yeah, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. uh, small little there's there's and because of this kind of fear I have, I've learned some interesting tips and tricks to keep limbs alive in case you lose them. Uh, really yeah for example if you have an accident where your teeth kind of pop out if there's still like a pulp like a root attached to the tooth you see like a bloody nub like if the Uh tooth breaks in half like oh yeah it's gone gone. yeah um but if Uh you like knock out a tooth and it still seems intact and there's like some flesh attached to it you can stick that tooth into a glass of milk and hurry to an orthodontist and they should be able to reattach it that's insane Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought you were gonna say like if your head falls off, you put it on ice and <laughs> run to the doctor. But oh, well, okay, no, okay, I've yeah. never heard that about. You stick it in milk uh-huh. and you go to an oral surgeon or yeah, as quick as you can because it's slowly uh-huh. dying. Um, and it's you know that's why the milk is there because normally milk is kind of chilled and so it'll keep it a little chilly and the calcium in the milk will kind of keep it the tooth alive for somewhat. Um, yeah. Um, Okay, so for my own sake, are we talking I have 30 minutes, I have two hours? Now, that for that one, I don't know. I'm assuming uh, you have a few hours. That's usually huh. tends to be the case. Because That's I, interesting, so, though. Did I was going to get that. into, when it comes to limbs, like let's say you lose um, a finger, you'd want to put that finger on ice, but not directly touching ice. Like you want it to have like in a separate Ziploc bag, and then that bag be in another bag of ice. You don't want it to be the finger in ice because then the finger will start getting um, frostbite. Uh-huh. And when you lose a limb, even like an arm or a leg, uh, you have about two hours to get it reattached before the it's considered dead. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, Did a, not know that. A great orthopedic surgeon. would. Now, there are some instances, let's say, like you lost your finger but it was really like gnarled up. Like let's say a lawnmower cut it up. And so it's not only yeah. detached, but it's also really messed. They might not even bother trying to reattach it. They're like, you know what? Yeah, we're, we're talking about like clean cuts. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about like a chop, you know, something chopped it. Uh-huh. Um, or your arm got pulled up by a vending machine, which happens a dozen times every year. Uh, be careful. What? Uh, yeah, children, when they're, if they can reach into like a washing machine that's full of wet laundry, if they get their hand caught into it, it'll normally rip off some part of them. Uh, so really? They, yeah, that's why normally they cl- they stop running when you open them is because limbs can get ripped off. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. And did you say washing machine or I think the first time washing you said vent? Okay, I thought you said vending machine. I was like, how I mean, is I'm that pretty possible? Sure, I'm pretty sure that could happen <laughs> too. Uh, I know. As soon as you said children, I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh-huh. one of the funniest. Um, reenactments of a medical uh, I used to watch a lot of medical shows like um, mm-hmm. mystery diagnosis or whatever 
And one of the funniest one was like a kid, he was reaching into a running washing machine and he got his arm caught into like the wet laundry and it just pulled his arm off. And in oh the gosh. reenactment uh-huh. of it, you can, the mother was saying like, I was just looked over the laundry room. Like my kid is screaming and I see the door open and I see his arm, the kind of like spinning around still. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Dude, that shouldn't be funny. Oh, so funny. oh my gosh. And in the, that's in the video, you can, the, you know, the, the fake video, but like the reenactment. It's got this you, arm flopping yes, around. And yes, this, you got the No, arm it does not. Up. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have to I, look this up. <laughs> Uh, what show was it? I don't. It was. It wasn't like mystery diagnosis because that, they knew what the diagnosis was. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I'm I think they sure. knew what was wrong in that instance. It was like it was like one of those oh TLC. I was about to Google shows. kid arm and washing machine, and I'm gonna regret it. I'm not gonna do it right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll let try to you find, find that one. I'll try to find it, yeah, but it was uh-huh. like the funny, it was like so morbid, but it was, I just couldn't stop laughing. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. Uh, but yeah, you have two hours, basically. In, in the best ideal conditions, you get it to, an, go to an emergency room, get an orthopedic surgeon. They should be able to reattach it without too much nerve damage. Um, there obviously will probably be some, uh-huh. depending on where it was cut or how the nerves were damaged. But usually it's two hours until like lack of oxygen destroys the nerves. Huh. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, because of my it's fears, good to know. I, I am less... everyone take note. Yeah, because sometimes people will lose things and they'll just like, oh, that sucks. Let me just you know go to a hospital when or there, whatever, there and they, or they don't even bring the limb, and they're like, well, well, I could have saved it, but now that it's too late, I was like, oh, that would be the worst news. Like some yeah. dumb mistake you made lost you a hand or an arm. That's just oh, that would be so my gosh, I'd the, be so pissed. Uh, <laughs> the trauma caused by that though. How how are you supposed to remember? I don't know. That'd be freaky. The 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 most insane story I'd heard about uh, people losing uh, limbs is it was in a rural community. I I want to say it was in Canada, but I don't know why. I'm pretty sure it was just here in the United States, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, there's these machines, and I'm pretty sure you've seen them. They they're like for farming equipment. They're kind of harvesters, or maybe it's called like a cotton gin, where it's just like a rotating, like lawnmower esque blade thing. It's massive. Uh huh. Yeah, it's massive. It just has blades all over it. And yeah. this uh, one person who was alone uh, at this time, he was repairing it or he was, you know, getting it fixed with a jam or whatever. But he had his arms in there when it started again. And it pretty much just sheared both of his arms off. Oh, my gosh. Um, like the middle of his forearms. So not even like a clean cut. It was just. And so he had like these two bloody and pointy uh, bone shards in front of him. And so he had to run to his house. And the house was locked, so he had to man- like maneuver the doorknob with his bloody bony oh, shards. Okay, no, this isn't real. <laughs> it was yeah, and basically he and this was in a rural community, so you couldn't call nine one one right away. You had to call someone for them to call nine one one. Oh my gosh! So he like called his aunt or something, and he said, "Hey, like I really need help. I'm going, and you know, this is what's happened." I'm bleeding but he was, out. But he wasn't. She was kind of going in shock, so he didn't really like explain well what he needed. And uh-huh. so his aunt like called his mother first, and then she called the ambulance. Um, and when they found him, he was sitting in the bathtub because he didn't want to get blood all over his carpet. <laughs> he thought that oh, was his my driver. gosh. Um, but they managed to get him. They managed to grab his arms from the machine, and they managed to sew him back up. He, he got his arms back. So. You're kidding me. That is, yeah. that is not real. <laughs> that is it. insane. <laughs> Um, but he said like he barely oh remembers gosh. that he's like I just like I can't imagine like they blacked told me out I had at to... that moment. Eventually, yeah, he's like they told me I opened like a locked door with my like really painful like 
bloody stumps. Like I would never have oh thought my. I could do that. Like it just yeah, sounds horrible. That's horrible. I can't imagine experiencing that, witnessing it. Uh, oh my gosh, it gives me the chills. That that freaks me out. Um, um, I think that because of shock and things like that, I feel like people are slightly more um, prepared to deal with stuff like that when it happens to them. Uh, like uh-huh. if you ask this person, hey, would you able to do this? He's like, there's no way I'd be able to do that. Um, that's insane. But if you're in the moment, maybe you're just, your will to survive is just so strong. You're, you're going to, I don't know. Do I was going to say, yeah, survival instincts kick in and you're a different person or different mindset. This is probably a topic for another day, but one of my uh, one of my favorite phenomenon is when people can they express essentially superhuman strength in times of great need uh-huh. or crisis, uh-huh. um, and they but they can never do it again. Uh, they uh-huh. can never redo the the thing. The most common one, of course, is like someone lifting a car off someone, and that has happened before. People have done that, and they're just like normal people. They just um, they just can't do it when they ask to do it again because it's not there, an emergency. There's actually a show on Netflix. I, I, it, is it? I think it's called Broken. Maybe it's not. It. Anyways, it's kind of a docu series about malfunctioning things, and one of the episodes is about IKEA furniture and uh, how they've fallen on toddlers and stuff, and how like baby cams will catch siblings picking up furniture off of their siblings, and it, it it's insane. So like strength that just arises in the moment. Yeah, and there is a very uh, good uh, medical and scientific explanation for for why that that's possible. Is this something to do with adrenaline or? Uh, yeah, basically. What? So essentially, when let's say you have let's say people who don't work out, let's say like they they use their arms but they're not you know really exercising them. Uh huh. On a day to day basis. When they see something that's really heavy, like, oh, like this grocery bag is kind of heavy or this gal- or this five-gallon bucket or, or whatever it might be, it's because their muscles are only using a small percentage of their actual strength because the rest of the muscle is kind of like in the shutdown standby mode to save energy. Huh. So on average, only so about— So it's like it wakes up. Yeah. So on average, uh, you're using like only 10% of your— strength like even something that seems super heavy you're only probably using 10 percent of the available strength and there's a really good reason for that your body doesn't want you to do that because if you are one thing it saves a lot of energy to do that but if you suddenly start using a greater percentage of your muscle it'll actually really damage the tissue and not just like the muscle tissue it'll damage like your ligaments and your tendons and things like that and so when if you're working out a lot let's say you have someone who's more of a, a bodybuilder they might go up to like 30 to 40 percent of that usage uh, but they're never ever getting really close to a hundred percent that's uh, super interesting and so in those moments your body might be will- and people who do that they actually end up injuring themselves a lot i was gonna say that would probably mean that these people are really hurting themselves uh there was a rock climber who he was uh, basically i think i want to say he's in southern utah where like the red rocks are and he was alone like most fools are when they're doing dangerous things oh yeah is this the guy that pinned himself yes so basically or there was like a, a, a boulder sh- pinned him yeah it, there was like a sh- he was climbing and there was like a, a thin sheet of rock that kind of fell away from where he what he was grabbing onto and it kind of pinned him but it pinned him. It didn't. I wouldn't say it pinned him. So basically, it was on an incline. So maybe this is a different story. So that he was also sliding off the edge of a cliff. Uh, so as this thing was on top of him, he was like going, and he knew that if he was going off the cliff, like he was going to die for sure. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. And this thing weighed, I want to say uh, the estimate was around like 500, 600 pounds, and it's basically on his chest, right? So his arms are underneath it, but it's on his chest. Huh. Yeah, this is a different story than what I thought, but yeah. And basically he, like, dad pushes it off of him um, before it can go off the cliff. And he uh, basically at that time broke the world record for lifting a weight in that way. Uh, really like even the best bars but he also an incline de- bench of a boulder <laughs> yeah essentially yeah <laughs> but he also detached his biceps from his bones i was gonna say ripped them right out probably yeah they his arms were useless like they just got uh-huh. destroyed um and he managed to get help in like physical therapy but in that moment it was just like i'm gonna die i gotta do something oh my gosh just, I, it's just the thought of the tendons popping out of your bones oh my gosh Th- thanks thanks <laughs> Good story. <laughs> so I don't know how we got from homeopathy to uh, <laughs> like a superhuman strength. Superhuman yeah. strength of things. Uh, I don't know either, but I don't question the transitions. <laughs> they just happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's find, insane. Yeah. I mean, so that, that interests me. Like, it's just how, and again, people will say like, oh, like it's a miracle. Like, well, like you can say it's a miracle. Like, but we do know the cause. Um, we do know why that happened. It's not something that is beyond well, explanation. Uh huh. Whereas homeopathy is something that is, <laughs> it is something that is false, and it it is beyond explanation because it doesn't work. Like, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I have a, a very strong vendetta against pretty much like commercial enterprises that promise things that are fake i especially medicine because yeah things that are people take to enhance their lives or fix a problem and i feel and the reason why and i feel there there are some people who argue like hey if it gives them hope if it gives them whatever that's fine i don't know Uh, about that and yeah i'm just like maybe that's a little bit but it's usually because these people instead of seeking traditional treatment they will instead seek out these things uh-huh. And they may end up dying because of that decision. So I feel like it is a very serious um, like case of fraud or even, I would say, uh-huh. involuntary manslaughter. Like this person thought that your cure was going to cure them of their thyroid problem or diabetes or something. And they died of a coma or whatever because they stopped taking insulin. Like they, it, And it happens. It's really sad. That's terribly sad. I hope those people that lost their taste got a bajillion dollars. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, that does seem like a horrible way to live your life. Um, it's making me depressed thinking I would never be able to enjoy a gyro again. Oh, man. Like, that, Holy that's cow. Me, like I said, that doesn't make me sad. Uh, and there have been people with uh, COVID-19 who have, at least for now, seemingly permanently lost sense I've, of smell. I've and, I've heard of that. Taste. Um I, I haven't heard of the permanent, but I I do know of a few cases I've heard of where it was like eight weeks where they mm-hmm. lost their sense I, of taste. Yeah, I say like allegedly permanent because it hasn't been around long enough to make this. Sometimes yeah. it could take years to recover mm-hmm. something like that and they'll be fine. Or I say fine, but a year without taste is still pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some people, yeah, it just it takes a long time to come back or it doesn't at all. And there's videos of people, they'll, they'll be, they'll, you see them, they're eating really gross things. Like they'll take a bite out of an onion or they'll chug pure lemon juice. And they're like, I can't taste it. Can't like, taste <laughs> it. No reaction. No Holy reaction. Cow. No. It's really sad. So, and there have been uh, kind of studies linking if you have severe enough pneumonia and colds and flus that slowly over time, your taste of sense and 
of scent and smell might also just slowly erode away. Mm-hmm. Um, you, that's why sometimes you'll see a lot of old people, they'll really want to season their food like crazy because they're uh-huh. losing their sense of taste. Uh, that's my, interesting. Never really thought about that. My grandfather, he is like a salt fiend. Like he'll just <laughs> literally dump salt all over his food and because he can't taste it. It's really sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that's crazy because that made me think of my own grandpa. Oh, yeah? He, he, yeah? he just dumps salt on things. And I'm like, dude, how can you eat that? And I guess I've never really thought like he can't taste it. No, yeah, like, he's, <laughs> he's having trouble. <laughs> oh, man. It's, yeah, he's it's like really 87. Sad. So, God. Maybe it's don't crazy. bring it up. Maybe because it's just so slowly. He hasn't no, noticed I it. Won't. Like, Grandpa, I won't bring that's, it up. that's like 10 times that. No. Salt that he, he's, he's at the point, you ask him how he is, he says he's old. That's how he is. He's old. So <laughs> He's done. He's, he's Yeah. Hey, I think he's outlived his dad by like 14 years. So he, he's been expecting oh. to go whenever. But uh, but yeah, it, it, now that you say that, I've made that connection. I he likes it salty. I and that's why it. sometimes now I'll try to reduce the amount of salt I eat so I can kind of keep that concentration down because even kind of like with spicy. I was gonna food, say I wonder if you reduce it now, if it's, it'll help you later. Yeah, I think that should work. Um, I think a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I hope it does. Uh, because my uh, my sister in law, her family, their father, her father has um, Meniere's disease. It's an inner ear. Um, kind of problem and it affects his uh-huh. balance and things like that and high sodium diets uh detrimentally affected so growing up he um their whole family has kind of lived with eating a very low sodium diet uh-huh and so they're very used to having unsalty foods and so uh, if i ever got to eat there they're, they're really kind and generous they'll give me a salt shaker but I have to salt the food, uh, not because I'm a salt fiend, but because there's sometimes literally no salt in the mashed no potatoes salt. Uh-huh. or the chicken or whatever it may be. And uh, no so flavor. I think I think over time, I think oh, that's going to be better for them because they're going to not need it as much in the future. So that's it's interesting. Real. Interesting. Um, I was going to a little off topic, but food related. Have Have you ever heard? I, I don't know how much you know about um, like dementia and brain issues and disorders yes. and stuff. Um, is it true that the more frequently you eat the same meal, the higher likeliness you are to develop dementia later in life? I have never heard that before. You've never heard that before? Because no. I, I, I read some study where they found like 60% of people, I don't know if they were just in in like an old folks home or just like this uh, group of people that they were observing. They found that you were like 60% more likely uh, if you ate the same meal every day. Like say, um, I, I knew one of my teachers in high school, she was like 60. Every day she had the same like chicken cob salad. And uh, she was like, yep, my sister does this too, and she's got dementia. I don't. Uh, apparently, if I keep doing this, I'll get it. But I don't know. I love my salad, so I'm going to do it. I'm like, now wait, is that true? Don't you think that would deter you a little from eating salad every day? <laughs> so I, I wondered if there was any evidence behind that, because I have read something. And then um, talking to her, it sounds like... Um, her sister um, it actually happened to her not to say that the dementia uh, was caused by that oh, but okay that it's more frequent in people who eat the same thing every day what i've heard um is that people with alzheimer's and also dementia in some cases they'll go into what we call recursive loops 
Uh-huh. And so they'll kind of repeat the same behaviors and even say the same thing over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like it could be, and again, I don't know, it could be like correlation, a causation that people who have dementia Alzheimer's, they tend to want to eat the same thing every day. Uh-huh. And therefore you're like, oh man, this might be really bad because if they eat always just a peanut butter jelly sandwich for lunch, maybe that's what's, that's causing... what's causing it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it like seems... saying I, when ice cream sales go up, drownings go up. Yes. Like, it, yeah, it, that, yeah. That's uh-huh. my favorite. My favorite things are they're random things that correlate with one another, which is why, again, correlation and causation are very different. Um, uh-huh. There's been like a big thing about uh, in the past, at least, how diet soda is correlated with obesity um, because more obese people drink diet soda. <laughs> and I think it's because people who are obese probably want to drink diet soda drink to not soda. Eat as much yeah. sugar right not because oh my it's gosh. making them obese my uh, favorite so. <laughs> clip of the simpsons is the fat lady with a diet coke that says i can eat anything now yeah. like <laughs> I, and I, yeah. I love that clip and i do uh-huh. believe that might that's again that might be true because you're like i have a diet soda i can get a large fry i'm like okay uh-huh. that's not yeah, good no. Like, <laughs> no it's not good at all yeah uh, but yeah i feel like that could be it um i Alzheimer's dementia is really, I would say it's probably the, a fate worse than death. I would rather be dead than have severe dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, it's, oh my gosh. Uh, I don't I don't know if I should share this. You can, you can decide whether you keep it in or not. Okay. Um, my, so my great grandfather is still alive. And um, I, I actually had a great, great grandmother up until the age of seven. She was still wow. alive. She lived to be 102. Um my great grandmother passed away, I want to say two years ago. And for the last like five or six years of her life, she just progressively got worse and worse, had dementia, uh, and it just was causing all these problems. And not causing all these problems, but having all these problems. Well, she was causing problems too, because this, the, here, here's what I'm going to share. She would uh, flash people. Like just oh. lift her shirt and straight flash people. And it was it was horrifying and super sad to, you know, witness that her brain has got to that point. But um it 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 was hard. It was hard to watch her when she, you know, went. But oh my gosh, I don't know. Never mind. I'm not gonna talk about it. You can cut no, that out if you want. No, but no, I, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really sad. It's really. I was gonna say I, some other things, but you know, it, it's not a topic I should take lightly. It, it sucks. Mean, it sucks. It, it sucks because it like it's not. It's this mix of bizarre and like really sad, but also kind of annoying and infuriating. Like it's all these we- all these weird emotions all together, and it's be. And I really feel like it kind of lays bare how if your brain isn't working, you're not working, right? Like it's really. You think that someone like they were a normal, rational person not too long ago, and suddenly they're kind of almost like devolved into something else. Exactly. And it just doesn't seem natural, right? It just seems like there's that shouldn't happen, but it's because you are your brain, right? If your brain is wonky, then you're gonna do, you know, un, really uncharacteristic things. It, it's it's really weird. It was weird to go from having dinner with them twice a month to she couldn't even recognize that there was food in front of her. Like it, it, it sucked. It was horrible. It's, it's really sad. Uh, some of my favorite video clips online, and this is probably going to be um, the last thing 
I say before I have to go. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, but some of my favorite ones is we found that music really seems to improve people with dementia and Alzheimer's, um, especially if they were musicians or dancers or things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and you can see there's a, uh, I might send it to you, but there's a video of this guy who's basically catatonic. Like he's just really not moving. He's not responsive. But they play him some like really old um, jazz, I think from the 30s. And his like eyes start lighting up. He starts talking a little bit. He starts like humming along with the music and his headphones. From and being it, nearly catatonic. Yeah. It's just and it's just really incredible how that's crazy. Stimulus can kind of and I feel like it's because music and maybe some other patterns, they kind of are so deeply ingrained into our brains that once those are activated, it might somehow to at least temporarily bring back some functionality but we're still trying to figure out something out there are we're finding more treatments for parkinson's uh there are electro impulse implants you can give some people with parkinson's and it basically makes them stop shaking Uh uh-huh it's just really incredible that's really crazy yeah that's that's interesting um but yeah it's just neurodegenerative diseases i think are are some of the worst, unfortunately. Because because Parkinson's is essentially irreversible. So when you're saying it like it it's not preventative of the shaking, it actually stops the shaking. Yeah. So really. Basic, uh, so basically, with Parkinson, it's more. It's not. I'm not too sure. I don't think it's a. Uh, it's hard to say. I don't know if it's the nerves in their arms deteriorating, or maybe the neurons in their head that controls the muscles that is actually mm-hmm. causing problems. And so the implant, I think what it does, it, it kind of inhibits the the random firing of the nerves. Uh-huh. And so the person can kind of really stabilize themselves. Take control of that. Again. Take control of it. Um, here, I'm going to send you the uh, <laughs> the video for this this one guy with the jazz music. But you don't have to watch it right now. But I just want to. Yeah, I'll check it out. It's pretty fun, but. Anyway, we kind of ended on a, on a somber note. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> apologize to that. Yeah. We weren't as goofy today, but that's cool. Uh, but anyway, um, until next time, Morgan, it's been a pleasure. It's been wonderful talking to you. <laughs> I I expect the laundry room arm in the washer video <laughs> any day now. Yeah, I, I'll send, I forget. Thanks for reminding me. I was I forgot yeah. about that. I'll send that to you. Oh, I'll be reminding you of that one. <laughs> be sure it's, of that. It's funny. You're like, don't. I don't want to see it, but but send it to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Well, no, no. I didn't want to search for it. Who knows what I would get on freaking looking that up? So I'd rather you take that risk. <laughs>